Thanks for joining Sapelo Nerds, a coastal science podcast. I'm your host, Corinne. And I'm your host, Brittany. And we work at the National Estuarine Research Reserve, or NEAR, on Sapelo Island, a Georgia barrier island. Go, 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 um, Is something stuck in your throat? No, I'm practicing my turkey calls. Go, 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 go. Okay, trying to <laughs> attract a turkey friend? I mean, who doesn't want a turkey friend? Maybe I should try one of their other calls. Turkeys make a variety of different sounds, including purrs, yelps, and kikis. It was commonly thought that only males or toms gobbled, but now it's clear that females or hens can on occasion as well. Huh. I hear that there's another way to tell if they're male or female without seeing them, too. Oh, yeah. You look at their poop. Oh, you guys know how much I love scatology. (laughs) Yeah, well, males have J-shaped poops, and females have spiral-shaped droppings. For more information about tracking turkeys in coastal Georgia, definitely check out the link in our show notes. But when you see them, it's pretty obvious which turkeys are males and which are females. That's right. Males have snoods. Snoods? Like from the Lorax? Well, a little bit different. Snoods are the fleshy appendage that extends over a turkey's beak. This helps them find a suitable mate. According to the Journal of Avian Biology, females prefer males with longer snoods, and snood length can also be used to predict the winner of a competition between two males. Along with their snoods, they have wattles, that piece of flesh that dangles under the beak. And turkeys also have another standout feature, beards. The bundle of feathers sprouting from their chest is known as a turkey beard, and it gets longer as the bird ages. While all males have beards, some females also grow them, though why is still a mystery to scientists. Interesting. And yep, you guessed it, folks, we are being super original and talking about turkeys in November. Today we're delving into the fascinating world of wild turkey populations in coastal Georgia. That's right, Brittany. While wild turkeys are not really an iconic species in this region and are primarily in the Piedmont and upper coastal plains of Georgia, they do play a crucial role in the local ecosystem. Turkeys are habitat generalists and opportunistic foragers. Thus, they can and do occupy many different forested habitat types throughout the state. Turkeys exist as both predator and prey during their life cycle, enhancing the biodiversity of ecosystems wherever they inhabit. As poults, or young turkeys, turkeys consume various bugs and pests and are prey for a variety of wildlife. There are only two species of wild turkey, ours here in North America and the oscillated turkey in Central America. The North American wild turkey has five distinct subspecies and also comes in a variety of color morphs. And in recent years, there has been some intriguing research on these birds. Absolutely. One recent study conducted by the University of Georgia's Department of Wildlife Ecology and Management found that the turkey population in coastal Georgia has been steadily increasing over the last decade. This is great news for the conservation of this native species. While turkey populations plummeted in the 19th century due to overhunting and a loss of habitat, with the species disappearing almost entirely from the New England area. Fortunately, wild turkey conservation efforts throughout the 20th century led to a sharp rebound throughout their historic range. That's encouraging to hear. It shows that conservation efforts and habitat restoration are having a positive impact. Before European colonists arrived in the U.S., it's believed there were over 10 million turkeys inhabiting nearly every state in the country. But it's not just about numbers. Wild turkeys are incredibly interesting creatures. 
Oh yeah, did you know that wild turkeys are surprisingly agile and can fly short distances? Now, contrary to their domestic counterparts, which are bred to be heavier for more meat and can't fly, wild turkeys are excellent flyers and roost high in trees at night to avoid predators. Not to mention that turkeys have three times better vision than humans. They can see in color and their eyesight covers 270 degrees. They can also get top flying speeds of 55 miles per hour and running speeds of 25 miles per hour. So beat that in your turkey trot races. <laughs> and wild turkeys are not just opportunistic herbivores. They're omnivores. They'll eat insects, acorns, berries, and even small reptiles. This diverse diet makes them a vital part of the food chain in coastal Georgia. It's incredible how adaptable they are. Speaking of adaptation, recent research from the Georgia Department of Natural Resources has revealed that wild turkeys in coastal Georgia have shown remarkable resilience to habitat changes caused by urban development and climate fluctuations. Georgia, along with other states across the southeast, is in the process of evaluating how we manage our turkey populations in general. While many factors such as large-scale habitat changes and predator abundance are difficult for biologists to manage, limiting harvest pressure through regulations as well as minimizing disruption to breeding activities in the spring will help to improve numbers each year, which will help to ensure a population is sustainable and able to withstand the ups and downs of reproductive success. You can help by reporting your wild turkey sightings at the link in our show notes. Now, it's important to understand how birds can adapt to a changing environment. And speaking of adaptation, wild turkeys are known for their remarkable camouflage. Their feathers can blend in with their surroundings, making them elusive and challenging to spot. You can also tell a turkey's emotions by the color of their heads. Colors can change from red to blue to white, depending on how excited or calm they are. The more intense the colors are, the more intense their emotions. And they have some intriguing social behaviors, too. Research studies conducted by the Georgia Department of Natural Resources have shed light on the complex social structures of turkey flocks. Did you know they have pegging orders just like chickens? So one turkey will be the lead and the others will kind of follow the direction. This pegging order is like a social ranking in which each bird is dominant over or pecks on the birds of lesser social statuses. Pecking orders have implications for people and nuisance turkeys too. If a turkey views someone as dominant, they will act submissive or fearful. Nuisance turkeys. And to think I thought it was just alligators we had to worry about on the coast. Nope. Turkeys can be very hardy and aggressive birds if they want to. They can easily become nuisances. But most wild turkeys stay clear of people, just like alligators, I might add. But alligators and turkeys aren't that far off. A turkey's wishbone, the one that you and your sister pull from opposite ends to see who gets the middle knob. <laughs> Every year. Yep. Is, it's formed by the fusion of the bird's two collarbones. Uh, also called a furcular. Furcular. <laughs> the bone serves as the connecting point for muscles and a vice for the wings. During the bird's uh, flapping of the wings, the wishbone acts as a spring to store and release energy. This elasticity is also the reason that snapping a wishbone before it dries is so tough. Turns out the wishbone is more than a fun game for Turkey Day. It also serves as a reminder that birds evolved from a group of dinosaurs. Researchers have found that the wishbone dates back more than 150 million years to theropods, a group of meat-eating dinosaurs that includes T. rex and the velociraptor. Wait, wait, wait. 
T-Rex turkeys. T-Rex turkey. (laughs) Well, that's crazy to think about. I just enjoy watching how turkeys interact with one another. Studies have also found that wild turkeys are incredibly vocal with distinct calls used for communication. Their gobbling sounds are iconic, especially during the breeding season. Each male turkey has his own unique gobbling technique, which he combines with strutting to attract potential mates. Female turkeys communicate through clucks and small chirp-like noises. And let's not forget about their incredible courtship displays. Male turkeys, or toms, put on an extravagant show to attract females, displaying their colorful plumage, fanning their tails, and strutting around in circles. It's quite a spectacle. (laughs) Indeed it is. And wild turkeys are an integral part of the rich biodiversity in coastal Georgia, and it's heartening to see their populations on the rise. Also, to debunk a popular turkey tale, Benjamin Franklin didn't advocate for turkeys as the national bird. He also didn't totally besmirch the bald eagle either. In fact, the letter to his daughter that is often cited as the source of both of these facts was actually satire. He wasn't seriously supporting the turkey, although after learning more about them, I don't think I would mind them being our national bird as much. I mean, a T-Rex adjacent bird? Come on. Uh, I still think the eagle sounds a tad bit more majestic than a fat turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't we ask a professional? Our special guest today, Blaine Tyler, is a wildlife management area manager right here on Sapelo Island. What do you think, Blaine? Is the turkey a majestic bird? (laughs) I don't know if I'd say majestic, but uh, I think they're more gregarious. Um, (laughs) You know, they like like to see, like to watch fights, kind of like humans do. So they like to watch (laughs) other people fight. Nice, okay. So, Blaine, you're doing a restoration effort on Sapelo to bring turkeys back to the island, where there are a lot of turkeys on Sapelo historically? Uh, there were. There, there's uh, papers that have dated turkey back to the early 1800s, mid-1800s. Um, I think the last turkey that was on Sapelo was in 2007. Um, you know, so they had, there, was a, there was a monitored population on the island for years with collars, um, but I think the lack of control of the feral hogs and the decrease in the burning kind of lost habitat in the feral hogs getting into the nest. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know I've seen peacocks wandering around out here, but never any turkeys. And the peacocks are somebody's pets, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but what, what would you say is really caught, like the main issue is just the hogs? So the, the, the feral hogs and the, the lack of the habitat, the the uh, decrease in burning in open space, the bugging areas, um, <clears throat> areas for, for nesting too. So a lot of those hogs, like we said, invasive species, they're causing a lot of issues. This is a really, really great example of that. So what kind of things are you doing to bring turkeys back to Sapelo? So we're doing habitat management, opening up some areas, um, created some longleaf stands, um, some open field stands that are for bugging and nesting. Um, we've also, you know, working on um, feral hogs through trapping, targeted shooting, um, aerial shooting. Um, it's always going to be a battle, uphill battle with the, the feral hogs. You can't ever get rid of all of them, but mm-hmm. um, you know, it's one of those things you got to do to actually keep the turkeys. And do you think restoring turkey populations on Sapelo will have an impact on other wildlife or think, some of the habitats? I think it will in a positive benefit. I think. Because we are focusing so hard on the feral hogs, that that's going to help all wildlife. Um, and the habitat that the turkey use would be habitat for white-tailed deer and 
seeing some other non-game species also. Um, so I think everybody kind of benefits from it at the end. That's awesome. So you're very involved with habitat management and in the job working for DNR, but what can like a regular person do to help turkeys and their populations? Um, feral hog management. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> statewide. Um, and habitat management. I mean, for the hunters to be responsible hunter, don't take it just to take it. I've got a rule. It's got to be bigger than the last one I've ever killed. Mm. So I don't, you know, it's going to have to be something special for me to, to actually take a, take a turkey. But, um, you know, I think just the conservation of it, and I support your, your local uh, NWTF chapters. Um, they put a lot of money into turkey restoration. And NWTF, just so our National Wildlife Turkey Foundation. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to kind of chat with us today. And, you know, it's your busy season with hunts going on and things like that up in the wildlife management mm-hmm. area. How are the hunts going this year? So far, so good. Um, been pretty busy. I think we've killed... The hunters have killed in the two hunts, twenty-five feral hogs. Oh, um, <clears throat> but so far so good. Well, thank you for coming on today, Blaine. Thank you for having me. Hey, Corinne, how does a turkey like to travel? Mm, I don't know how. By gravy train. <laughs> well, why did they let that traveling turkey join the band? I don't know why. Because he had his own drumsticks. Oh. For more information about any of the topics we covered today or to submit your question that may be featured in our upcoming episodes, please email us at signer.socials at gmail.com. That's S-I-N-E-R-R dot socials at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Sapelo Nerds, a coastal science podcast brought to you by the Sapelo Island National Estuarine Research Reserve. Please check back for more episodes released each month. And we really need reviews. So, you know, leave us a couple of of good ones. Really good ones. (laughs) And that's the Savalo Sound.